2: Welcome in. Good day. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing in more. It's a little bit phony when the market goes down Whoosh 10 percent and errors right back up almost to where it was. We're kind of dealing with that right now. Too many up days followed by too many or preceded by too many down days. By the dip momentum has been running strong ever since the SP five hundred tested its two hundred day moving average. And uh Friday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, all were up. So taking into account a positive close last Friday, this is five winning sessions in a row. The Fab Five. Remember Michigan? What was that they're all freshmen too, weren't they? Ooh, Chris Weber. Ooh. Don't call a timeout. Don't call a timeout. Don't call a timeout. Ooh, technical. There isn't a lot of buying thrust at the moment today. Market participants appear to be cooling their jets a bit on that notion that the stock market could be subjected to some profit-taking in front of a three-day weekend. Ooh, no work on Monday. President's Day. Woo-hoo! Thank you, Mr. President.
1: I appreciate that.
2: So, Coca-Cola and Deer whenever Obama walks around and says today's my day he gets father's day and president's day and I just get father's day like come on that's not even funny cook Cola and deer did their part to contribute to the bullish earnings narrative um that you know has helped the stock market recalibrate to be quite honest with you so if you're gonna have a market correction a good time to have it maybe is during earnings season so you kind of feel is this really justified or are we making stuff up Housing starts increased 9.7% month over month in January to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.3 million. Building permits jumped 7.4% to a seasonally adjusted annual rate of 1.3 million. Permits are important. Permits are important because they talk about future activity. So you look at the month of, what are we, in February? So you start thinking out, builder has to get a permit to redo your kitchen or build a single family home. And it takes six months to get the approval done. So you go February, March, April, May, June, July. So we know there's going to be some economic activity up until August. That's the thought. So the permits, largely driven by multi-unit dwellings, single-family permits declined 1.7%. Starts, however, were helped by a 3.7% increase in single-family units. The West saw a little bit of a pickup, but really the biggest pickup in, in permits was the South, up 4.5%. So, that's out there today. We're dealing with that, right? A little bit of cooling off. Are you okay with that? I'm okay with it. So, I kind of want you to be okay with it. Um, we got a little bit of what's called porculus going on right now and what porculus is all about is our government spending an egregious amount of money and um, you know let me tell you about what my thoughts are on on porculus do more with less would be nice if our government could do that less travel less supplies less everything you kind of see that in school systems now because they have to kind of run a budget. It drives me crazy when I see teachers go out and buy kids gifts and stuff like that because they don't have that kind of money usually. So back in the late 80s and early 90s, I think President Bill Clinton um, in the 90s, the government was in deficit cutting mode because we had just come through all the years of the Reagan years and the deficit was a top part of the 92 and 96 elections. So this is going to be a big thing for the stock market to deal with. When? I don't know. Some people would say, you know, will we ever eliminate the deficit? I think we kind of did technically for a short period of time under Bill Clinton, um, where we ran a surplus to do all the capital gains, taxes that were collected due to the tech boom. And then we just stopped caring about it. Some people would say it was 9-11 that brought about the moment where suddenly we wanted big government again to catch terrorists. We created Homeland Security, a whole cabinet department. So when you take a look at where we are on GDP, um, under Obama during the financial crisis and the huge recession, spending quickly went from 3% of GDP to 10%. But in the George W. Bush era, before Obama, we were at 3% of GDP or less in government spending on the deficit. And then things just went crazy, and they've, they've stayed crazy. Um, we used to freak out about, you know, the national debt when it was 60% of GDP. It's at 105%, and no one cares now. So during the 2016 election, nobody campaigned against deficit. Nobody, not Bernie, not Hillary, not Trump, nobody. Not even a mention of it during the primaries. So down the road, we're going to have to pay this debt down or we're going to lose our credit rating and pay more for debt. And down the road, we're going to have to say, you know, when do we tighten the belt? When do we cut Social Security? When do we cut uh, military spending? Not right now. And that's probably the thing that I'm most spooked about. Because when you've got bad credit and you've got too much debt. It's tougher and tougher to get longer dated paper. Um, and that's when deflation starts to happen. And deflation is just as bad as inflation. A deflation depression wipes out profits. You don't even want to look at estimates for what we're going to be spending this year at the government. It's depressing. There's zero political impetus right now. We have a future trillion dollar deficits and it seems unlikely the Democrats or Republican will run on that deficit issue in 2020. When are we going to do it? That's kind of my question of the day, so to speak. Um, and it lingers in my head. So and it, it, it comes back from time and time again. I mean, these are golden times right now. We're spending money like a drunken nation. And that's pretty good. Now, the sad part is is we're a 50, 55 year old drunken nation and we only got so many years left of work. But it's kind of nice living in San Francisco and popping some champagne and hanging out with beautiful people and love, sweet love. But at some point in time, you have to pay for that. Investors hit pause today following five consecutive wins ahead of a three day weekend. What will Trump do? What will Trump not do? Are you watching the Olympics? They're unifying the world. Eh. S&P 500 is flirting with its 50-day simple moving average. Strength today in healthcare, technology, and real estate. I was reading some reports yesterday on healthcare and how that's kicking up as a percentage of our budget. And part of the thing that I saw in it that was kind of interesting to me was that because we have more discretionary income, we're spending more on healthcare. So that means exactly what you think it means. We're choosing to consume more. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. I'm Rob Black talking money investing in more. Thanks for listening to the show. You can find me online at robblackshow.com. It's robblackshow.com. Don't forget I got a big seminar coming up. When is it coming up? It's coming up in March. Where is it? It's going to be in Foster City. It's going to be about retirement and wealth income strategies. You can sign up for the event. At show.com use the code RADIO25 to get in for free. It's at the Crown Plaza Hotel, Foster City, March 8th, 6.30 to 8.30. Take a break here. We'll be right back. Down by the water, down by the old main drag.
1: It's the Friday Ice Report. Friday Ice Report. report.
3: Like it is short.
1: Your San Jose Barracuda Hockey Updates.
2: I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. It's time to talk a little hockey, though. Time to get off the winning stock market and take a look at the San Jose Barracuda, the AHL affiliates of the NHL San Jose Sharks, of which all the stars from last year's AHL Barracuda seem to be playing up with the NHL San Jose Sharks, so it's the, the, the Sharks of the future, so to speak. Joining me now, Nick Nolenberger, the voice of the San Jose Barracuda Heard here on AM 1220. Winners uh, this week. You uh, kind of snapped a losing streak there, didn't Nick, against uh, Tucson this week.
3: Yeah, big, big, big two points. Um, you know, a, a five game homestand uh, that the team just it hadn't got a win until the final game. So to get uh, in the win column before going on the road for four straight, um, certainly big for for just getting momentum going and, and trying to make a push to the playoffs. It's a total log jam right now. So uh, if you lose a few in a row, you all, all of a sudden you seem out of it. If you win a couple in a row, you're right back in the mix. So um, certainly a good way to good way to end uh, end the homestand on the right foot.
2: Now you got a couple games coming up against the Stockton Heat. How are the Heat doing this year in comparison to the Barracuda?
3: The Heat, uh, well, at the start of the year, they were really rolling. They had a, a pretty pretty loaded bunch, kind of like where the Barracuda were last year. They had a lot of guys that were in their second or third year um, high-round draft picks that were starting to kind of get, get comfortable at the level. And uh, they were really rolling. It started to fall off a bit just because they had some injuries up at the NHL club and they had quite a few recalls. Um, they were about 500 over their last 10 games. Um, but they sit in the fourth and final playoff spot, so um, this weekend is going to be a pretty big one. Two games in Stockton back to back, which is kind of rare, just because of how close we are to them. We tend to play them just the one time, but we do play them back to back. And um, yeah, you win a couple games this weekend, and you're going to jump up the standings. So uh, we're at four and three this year against them. Always seem like uh, we play Stockton pretty well, no matter what uh, what type of team they have. So should set up for for a pretty good one this weekend.
2: Are there any stories of the year so far as far as the Barracuda go? Any breakouts? Any, any surprises? Any um, Keep an eyeball on this guy.
3: Yeah, I mean, if you had to look at one guy, it's probably going to be Ruel Spalsers, who's he a 20-year-old Sharks drafted him two years ago um, in the fifth round. So it wasn't a really highly touted pick. Um, last year was his first year in North America, finishing up uh, his junior career. He played in what's called the Western Hockey League. And uh, he scored 40 goals, which led all rookies. And then um, he was an overager, which means he had his – last year was his final year of eligibility. So he came became pro this year. And just uh, 20 years of age, he leads the team – all offensive categories game winning goals power play goals goals assists points Um, he's been he's been a really nice addition offensively been a uh, go-to guy uh, for the team to score goals and score big goals because a lot of guys went up there's eight guys uh, at one time that were up in the national hockey league so you know how do you fill those spots you have to have young guys contribute and so far it's been Balzers. He was a all star in the American hockey league and a guy that the Sharks are looking at as maybe the next guy he's gonna get his name called to to make his debut at the National Hockey League level.
2: I was a little upset to see I was looking through the rosters of um the Vegas Knights. And did we lose John MacArthur, wasn't he? A Barracuda last year? <laughs>
3: Oh, Ryan Carpenter. Ryan Carpenter. Ryan Carpenter a yeah, so Ryan Carpenter this year um, was with the San Jose Sharks. Um, he was uh, no longer what's uh, as Because he was a veteran, he's on a, uh, a contract that makes him actually clear waivers if, okay. if the Sharks want to send him down. When you're a younger player, there's flexibility. You can bring a guy up and down without him being exposed to the remaining 30 teams in the NHL. So because of his age, they wanted to send him down and get him some more games with us just because he wasn't getting in the Sharks lineup a ton. Uh, so they put him on waivers, hoping he would clear. Well, Vegas claimed and they were familiar with him, um, with his time within our, our organization. And uh, I think he scored last night. He's actually playing some really good hockey. But everybody in the organization was disappointed that he got claimed. But uh, it's just kind of the nature nature of the business. When you put a guy on waivers, he's exposed, and there's an opportunity for that. So, yeah, as, as far as guys, he was one of the nicest guys you're ever going to Across, so you, you kind of get these these connections with some of the players in that way, and um, I think everybody's disappointed, but they're also excited. He, you know, he got another opportunity to to try to stick in the NHL, and uh, it seems like he's taking advantage of it.
2: Yeah, and uh, we had him on the show last year, and he was the nicest guy possible, so that's why I stood out to me, and I was like, oh, bummed me out ever so slightly. So, um, Stockton Heat, they are the AHL franchise of whom? The Calgary Flames. Okay, that makes sense. So does Vegas have an AHL uh, franchise yet? Yeah, so next year, it's it's a
3: unique situation. This year, there's 31 teams in the NHL. Normally, you have every NHL team as their own American League affiliate. Well, because Vegas, all their players are young, they just drafted – you know just had a draft, gotcha. and they, they got players for the expansion draft. They didn't have enough to fill a roster. So right now they have a split affiliation with, with the Chicago Wolves, um, mm-hmm. along with the uh, with the St. Louis Blues. So next year they'll have their own team. They'll take over Chicago. It's going to be some shuffling. They'll add an additional team to the American Hockey League. So right now they do not have their own team, but they will next year.
2: How are things looking going into the final couple months of the season?
3: Well, it's a, as I mentioned, is is a complete logjam. You can win some games consecutively. You get on a little bit of a run. You're going to be right back in the mix. So currently, the Barracuda sit at the seventh spot of eight teams in the Pacific Division. So if you look at it just like that, you think there's no way they're going to get in it. But the percentage points, because uh, that's how it works in the Pacific, because there isn't a balanced schedule. We play less games than a couple of the other teams. You got to look at winning percentage, and you win a few games and you're right within the top four. So. Um, This month and this little four-game road trip is going to make it a lot more clear on whether the Barracuda are going to make the playoffs or not.
2: Thanks, Nick. I'm going to be giving away some tickets right here right now to the Friday, March 2nd game at 7 p.m. SAP Center in San Jose against the Bakersfield Condors. That's crunch time in hockey. Pick up the phone, 800-516-1220. It's 800-516-1220. You can't be a previous winner in the last 30 days. sjbarracuda.com. You want to pick up your own tickets. It's cheap family entertainment. All seats are great. All seats are great at the SAP Center. They, they close off the upper level, so you are as close to the action as you're ever going to get without forking over $300 for an NHL experience. This is a pretty awesome family day, and your kids will remember it forever. Family four-pack. 800-516-1220 to get those tickets. So the Barracuda's got the Stockton Heat coming up this Friday and Saturday, 7 o'clock and 6 o'clock in the evening, but they're away. It's pretty interesting. Um, I've got Xbox 360 and I play the NHL game and one of the things that they do is they make you go through the AHL lineups. And uh, So I get to see all these specific teams that Nick's talking about and I get to play against them. Um, so That's always a good, fun thing. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Morgan Stanley's chief equity strategist, Mike Wilson, says millennials have steered clear of the stock market because of bad timing. He thinks they should give stocks another shot, specifically as it pertains to saving for retirement. So Mike Wilson is Morgan Stanley's chief equity strategist. He argues that millennials grew up in a period that inconveniently coincided with a patch of stock weakness and left a sour taste in mouths of millions. I've got some millennial friends who they saw the market crash in 2000, 2002, and then again in 2006, 2008, and they got spooked, and they didn't want anything to do with it. They don't want to, quote, unquote, lose money. They saw the Occupy Wall Street thing as a negative. Morgan Stanley's chief strategist is saying, you got to get in for the long term. You get those tickets call 800-516-1220 it's 800-516-1220 that's coming up march 2nd at the sap center you can sign up for the big events of rob black next one's coming up march 8th you can sign up for it at robblackshow.com it's robblackshow.com it's in san mateo at foster city crown plaza you can sign up using code radio 25 to get in absolutely free don't want to
3: hear oh.
1: financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. It's Friday, so it's got that freeform Friday feel to it. We jump from hockey tickets to millennials and how much they save and don't save. I'm a little bit, I'm a fan of the stock market, as you know. I'm a fan of real estate, as you know. I'm not the craziest fan of bonds, if you're under the age of 50. Then it starts to make a little bit more sense in the short-term bonds. We're in a bond market that's moving quickly, and as it moves quickly, you don't want to be in longer term. You want to be in shorter term. But I own no bonds, none. Under fifty for now, not forever. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Um I think one of the big thoughts in the world, you know, there's you can earn more money to be wealthier. You can save more money to be wealthier over time, but in the short term you're saving it, so you're probably making sacrifices. Um a lot of it's mindset, and like understanding demographics and feeling comfortable with it. As the baby boomers continue to run into retirement, we know there's going to be more spending on healthcare, and healthcare is a good sector because the costs are going up, and you can invest in healthcare. So, some rules that I've learned from people who are older than me on investing. Number one and foremost is stay invested for the long term. The vast majority of retired baby boomers, 92% of them, think Americans need to save more for retirement by getting and staying invested in the market. Four out of five believe Americans should go for a consistent investment strategy with long term objectives, and only 32% said they would change their strategies based on fluctuating markets. So go long, have a strategy. That's pretty simple, right? That's not very confusing, it's not very magical. Every two weeks, I invest in the stock market in my 401k. And I max it out every year. And as I approach 50, once you hit 50, you can put in more extra savings. Catch up for retirement. It's the Heinz catch up plan. Um, That's the minimum that I save. Because I also happen to be a big spender. I save more. Because when I take my foot off the the foot of the gas pedal... I'm probably not going to get back into it. I was talking to my TV manager this week, and I'm probably going to cut down from four days to three days. Um, And then at some point, I'm going to cut down from three days to two days. Uh, It's just such a long drive. And as I get older, the quality of life is becoming much, much more important to me than, say, looking at your bumper. Over the long term, the stock market news will be good. That's why you have a plan for the long term. In the 20th century, the United States endured two world wars. It had expensive military conflicts. It had the depression. It's had multiple recessions, a dozen or so of them. There's been some financial panics. The Asian flu. Um, oil shocks. The resignation of a disgraced president. We've had a lot. We've had nuclear strikes in the world. We've had Korea and Iraq War I and Vietnam and Iraq War II. And overall, the market rose from 66 to 25,000. Are you with me or are you against me? We've had some of the craziest presidents in history. Um, Bubba. Do you remember when Clinton got elected? They called him Governor Bubba. He turned out okay for America. He didn't mess things up. He didn't get drunk at the wheel, per se. Or maybe he did. I don't know. I'm not going to get political. People get mad when you start talking politics. Another thing that older people will tell you is keep an eye on fees. 94% of retired boomers say they want to be able to easily understand what fees they're paying. When I first got in the stock market back in the 90s, when you bought 100 shares of a stock, you paid $400 in commissions. So, hi, I'm Mike. I'm the stockbroker. I work at Smith Barney. And uh, Rob, you want to go out and get $4,000 of a company called HBO? Is that HBO like on cable? No, it's HBO. It's a medical supply company. I'm going to get $4,000. And then it's like, okay, you got to put $4,400 in your checking account, in your brokerage account. I'm Like, wait, wait, $400 of 4,000. That's expensive. It's tough to win. And then the internet just continued to get savvier and savvier and savvier. And now you can basically buy ETFs for free at a lot of brokerages companies. They just want your assets. Or they want a chance to sell you credit cards or other products as well. Want to diversify your portfolio. That's a big one. Remember how I said go long-term, max out your 401k, probably buy a little S&P 500, probably buy a little mid-cap fund, maybe a small-cap fund, maybe an international fund, maybe an emerging markets fund, maybe some sort of income fund. Maybe a value fund. So that's your strategy. You go long term with that. You're pretty diversified. I mean, uh, if your paycheck, if you're putting in, I don't know, let's say 500 a paycheck, maybe out of those 10 funds, you know, you're you're dividing it 10 percent each. I don't know. But that's the starting point, and it's pretty simple to grasp. But if you have extra money to invest. I have no problem with you going out and buying something that you feel is stable. Now that's where we get into trouble. GE used to be a rock. And then they borrowed money and borrowed money and borrowed money and borrowed money and started becoming very poorly managed. And I don't own any GE. I probably own it in some S&P 500 funds, but I don't own it directly. But you sometimes can get caught up and think like this company is Teflon. They're bulletproof and they're not. So super, super important that you diversify. And when you do start buying stocks, buy something you're comfortable with. And, uh, you know, I hate to say it, McDonald's is the easiest one to throw out there, right? Uh, Was McDonald's around when you were a little boy or a little girl? Raise your hand. Will McDonald's be around today? They're everywhere. You can't go to a country anywhere in the world and not see them. And it's familiar, those freaking, freaking golden arches. Cows cows quake when they see those golden arches. So, now, is McDonald's always going to be the best stock? Hell no. You know that. There's going to be times where you're like, man, I wish I really would have sold all my McDonald's and bought Amazon. And that's when you have to identify yourself as Greedy. And there's gonna be times where McDonald's doesn't do anything, and the stock market goes down and it, under, it, it goes down in the stock market, and that's when you become fearful. Greed and fear are bad, 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 for your portfolio Greed is good. and for your investments and for your wealth. Now that doesn't mean that you can't say, "Because I own something stable, like my 401k index funds, I'm going to own something like McDonald's, and now, because I feel pretty comfortable with McDonald's. I'm going to go out and buy something like an Amazon where one is growthy and one is more value oriented. So diversifying is a great way of doing it. It's a safe path to a better retirement. I see a lot of people who all they have is Apple or all they have is Amazon or all they have is Netflix. And what you fear there is Jeff Bezos secretly building a death star. Behind the moon. And then all of a sudden we see it come out from behind the moon. And Jeff Bezos is riding on top of the Death Star in one of his rockets. And the other evil dictator, Elon Musk, is beating building a Death Star, too, at the same exact time. They crash into each other and they crash in the moon and the moon crashes into the earth and we all die. So you don't want to own too many... Evil companies that are like super powerful and that create trillionaires and billionaires and gazillionaires. Everything in moderation. Even moderation. You want to protect yourself from market downturns. How do you do that? That's a tougher one. That's easier said than done. 80% of retirees said it's important to protect your nest egg and lower your risk of losses when markets swing downwards. 30% said they wish they knew earlier about what to do when markets start getting shaky. So it's pretty easy on how to do that in index funds. You go, if I'm going to have 10 funds and I'm going to weight them at 10% each, when one of them, like the value goes down to 8% and the growth goes up to 12%, you sell 2% of the growth and buy 2% more of the value. So what you're doing is you're selling a winner to buy a loser. Now, I tend to believe more often than not, you do the exact opposite when it comes to stocks. You sell the losers and you buy the winners. To me, success or failure starts at the top. And if a company's stock is sitting in a 52-week high, their CEO and their board is doing something correct in my opinion. And you reward that because they know what they're doing. If a stock's sitting at a 52-week low, you go, hmm, stock market's at an all-time high and the stock's at a 52-week low. They're doing something wrong. Now, again, that's very generic advice for a lot of specific stocks. You've got to be a little bit on the more careful side than that. You can find me online at Roblox Show, Twitter Roblox Show, YouTube Roblox Show. <laughs>
1: Where investors rule. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW. Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to rob black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: So you know it's just giving you advice from baby boomers that they wish they you know could write down and pass on to their kids. And none of it's like super rocket science. Stay invested for the long term. They look back at their lives in their 20s and they probably saw some scary things in the market. They look back at their 30s where they might have lost a job and might have wanted to tap into the stock market. My brother Michael is a genius. He works for the Center for Disease Controls. He's literally, you know, a scientist that can look in microscopes and see evil things. He got out of the stock market in the mid, early 90s. There was a saving in loans, thrifts, crash of banks. Bad loans. Wait, wait! Isn't that what happened in two thousand six, two thousand eight? Bad loans. That's right. So history does repeat itself sometimes, and typically that's tied towards everyone deserves a mortgage. When politicians get out there and Bernie Sanders goes, "I want to give a mortgage to uh, poodles. Poodles deserve a house." You're like, no, 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 no. Poodles can't pay that money back. Let's not give poodles six hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> That's when we get into problems with loans. So when you start taking a look at your neighbor who's like doing a refi, pulling money out, and you know doing a whole brand new kitchen, and you're like, "Did you make a little more money this year or something?" No, no, no. Just just, just pulling money out. You know you have to pay that back, right? Oh yeah, yeah. It's just a big check for two hundred fifty thousand dollars they gave me. It's no big deal. It's a big deal. So stay invested over the long term. Don't panic. Don't use your savings as a 401k as a piggy bank. I question a lot of people using home equity lines of credit because suddenly when you get that home equity line of credit, you're like, oh man, oh my, 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 I deserve a BMW and you don't deserve a BMW, but you think you do. You want to keep an eye on fees. This is the old people to the young people. You want to diversify your portfolio. Protect yourself against market downturns. The one that I didn't get to that I wanted to get to was start saving early and often. 79% of generation, uh, baby boomers, 79% said they think putting a portion of one's monthly income towards retirement is one of the best things you can do. Moreover, 60% of respondents said they wish they'd start investing as young as possible. Some younger investors might think diving into investing right away is intimidating or boring. Those who start investing earlier could end up with significantly greater returns. There you go. The difference from investing in your 20s and your 30s, it could be $200,000 to 400000 when you're starting to talk about compound and annual growth rate. So, Chloe, who invested over her entire career from age 25 to 65, ends up retiring with nearly $1.9 million. So, she invested from 29 to 65, right? But if she started 10 years later... Or her sister Layla started 10 years later. So she only did it from 35 to 65. She's only got 919000 But her sister started at 25 and she has $1.9 million. Is there a difference between $1.9 million 900000 Is there? I want to tell you this. Yes, there is. Aye, aye, Captain. So 2018, in my opinion, if I were to write what I think is going to happen, is going to be the year of the 10 year. Yield and in interest rates and how they play out in mortgages, on credit cards, and auto loans and everything else. You know when you're a car company, your BMW goes, You can get two point nine percent financing. You're two point nine like, is pretty good? You know, my credit card's like at sixteen percent, two point nine sounds good. And then and here's the big then and then the Federal Reserves raises interest rates. What? Four times in the last couple of years, they expect to raise them three more times this year. Suddenly, that two point nine percent rate is three point nine percent. well, three point nine percent is kind of starting a little bit high. I don't know; it feels a little bit high. Don't you think it's high? So, some people who would invest in a BMW or buy a BMW at two point nine won't at three point nine, and that's what the Fed's job is: raise interest rates to cut down on the people who are speculating that they deserve a BMW. That's kind of how I read it. Want to be richer? Isn't that a funny idea? How can you become richer? Um, I can tell you how I started it. At age 18, all I cared about was girls and college. Maybe beer. What order? Probably girls, and then girls, and then college, and then girls, and then beer, and then girls. Mm, Beer. So what I did was I, I I called a mutual fund company, in this case it was Robertson Stevens in San Francisco. They had some of the best tech investment mutual funds. I said, Can I open an account? And they said, sure. Do you want to automatically take money out of your bank account every month and put it into into a mutual fund? I'm like, sure. That's easy. So I I you know I I look at my check and I, I am like, okay, I need to write void on it and I need to take these numbers and put them on those numbers. And I did. And it became automatic. That's how I got rich. I started by automating it. Because that night where I drank too much beer or enjoyed too many women or I studied too long, and the next day I'm hungover from whatever activity I just did all that effort into, I, I didn't want to write a check. Um, on occasion, you need to ask for a raise. It's an odd thing, but and I think most young people get it now. Because it drives the people who are older who don't want to do reviews crazy. But you should get a a review every year. And at the end of the review, if you've done great, you should expect a conversation something like this. Well, Tony, you've done great this year. And Tony goes, how much of a raise should that uh, equate into? Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't say you you did fantastic. You did great. Get out of my office. You're fired. So ask for a raise on occasion. Put your money into... The stock market, invest it, find cheaper housing. That's a difficult one for most, but it's an important one. Buy a rental property, let someone else pay for your mortgage. It's one of the biggest sticklers people have with buying expensive real estate. You don't have to buy expensive real estate. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Find me online at Roblox Show. Don't forget, big event coming up March 8th in Foster City. Sign up at RobloxShow.com. <laughs>